today is kind of my last uh, installment on this Dream On series as we think together about the power of dreams, uh, of a big dream. But next week, uh, the young man who's coming, his life will illustrate the power of a big dream, uh, Jason Maddy. He, in Chicago, uh, started school and almost didn't make it through, but the power of God overtook his life. And not only did he graduate, but he ended up being mentored by Michael Jordan and uh, ended up teaching on the faculty here at Stanford University and now is a global consultant all over the world. This, this young man who is also a part of this NBCC community. Isn't that great? Come on, let's give God a hand praise about that. It's awesome. So you don't want to miss next week. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's so special because of the inspiration of this message, we've invited our high schoolers and our middle schoolers to sit in on all three of our gatherings. And so if you know friends and others for whom you think uh, this would be a blessing, it's going to be a blessing for both young people and adults as he, he will kind of finish up this work uh, talking about and teaching about the power uh, of a dream. So tell the person next to you, be sure to be here next week. Tell them. <laughs> uh, and tell the person next to, tell the other person next to you. And by the way, bring somebody, please. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, let's get started. Uh, let's stand and honor the reading of God's word. Uh, 4152. Let's put it up there on the screen. Come on, let's read it together. Our last time together. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Amen. Please be seated. God, work a miracle uh, today uh, as we share together. In Jesus' name. All right, I want to do a couple of things today. Uh, one is, I want to finish the teaching that I started last week about the, what does the journey of pursuing a God-given big dream look like? Because we want you to not be caught by surprise or undercut. So that's one thing I want to do. And then the second thing I want to do, since I'm talking about the fact that God gives us all big dreams, whatever age or stage or season we're in, uh, I thought I'd share my big dream with you. Is that all right? Can I share my big dream? Good. All right. So first, let's, get, let's finish up where we started off last week. On last week, I said that the journey of a big dream uh, actually includes several things. Number one, it includes uh, identifying the big dream that God has given to you. Uh, second, it includes uh, that we have to leave our comfort zone. Thirdly, we have to face our fears. Fourthly, we have to be prepared and expect great opposition. Today, I want to talk about the final piece of this, which is that we have to be ready to go, backslash, grow. Everybody shout, grow. Through the wasteland. Now, the biblical word for wasteland is really uh, wilderness. If you know anything about the children of Israel, uh, track out of Egypt through the miracle of the Red Sea, they end up stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And the wasteland, 
by definition, uh, 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 my wasteland, your wasteland, uh, is, the, is the place where God prepares us. It is a season of preparation so that when the dream comes to fruition, we're actually able to handle it, to manage it, to be a good steward of it. So in that light, I hope you had a chance to finish reading uh, the story of Joseph. You'll recall that in Genesis 37, Joseph shares his dream, and it's all exciting and wonderful at the age of 17. And then he's thrown in a cistern. After that, he's sold into slavery uh, to the Midianites. After that, he's sold uh, into slavery to Potiphar. And then after that, he's uh, falsely accused of attempted rape. After that, he ends up in prison. Uh, And that whole span is about 13 years, constant, unexpected trial, unexpected challenge, one step forward, three steps back, the kind of challenges that you face that cause you to begin to think, wow, maybe I should have never pursued this dream. Actually, it's a waste of my resources and times. I, I, I should have just... I should have just kept doing what I was doing. I don't know. I don't know why I listened to Pastor Herman. It was crazy. <laughs> Everybody shout wasteland. And yet, what the Bible teaches us, again, is that we, in some ways, should be excited about the wasteland because of what it produces. For example, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, says this, uh, counted all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you run into different kinds of trials and challenges. Now, he's not saying count the trials joy. What he is saying is get excited about the product that's going to be produced on the other side of the trials. That's what he's talking about. So when you go forward with the text, you'll see uh, he continues to say, he says, for, uh, because you know, everybody shout, you know, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance have its, its full work so that you will be mature, shout mature, complete, shout complete, as his word for equipped, lacking what? Nothing. That you'll have everything you need to have in order to steward the dream once it is fulfilled. So, I want to suggest there are four things that, that God seeks to give us as we find ourselves stuck in the wasteland. We're taking one or two steps forward and three or four steps back. Unexpected trial after unexpected trial. We find ourselves stretched beyond our limits and we begin to wonder Is it all a waste? Everybody shout perseverance. Perseverance. The key to the James text is this word perseverance. That out of this notion of perseverance comes maturity, comes being equipped, comes the place where you lack nothing. So the word perseverance gives us some insight. So one of the things that God, I think, tries to give us in our sojourn through the wasteland is patience. Patience. My definition for patience in this context is actually captured by the word discipline. Everybody shout discipline. 
discipline, the discipline, the ability to discipline your emotions so that they don't go from one extreme to the next extreme and the ability to discipline your focus. Why? Because whenever the dream is fulfilled, it's going to take discipline to move forward. So, discipline. Everybody shout discipline. discipline. All right. Now, here's a great example. God, uh, Moses led the nation of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, through the miracle of the Red Sea. And then they find themselves in the wilderness. And they face one challenge after the next challenge after the next challenge. And in chapter 16, they face the challenge of no meat, no bread. And so in verse 3, uh, in the midst of feeling, in the midst of what feels like a season of starvation, the text is interesting. Here's what the folks say. They said, you know, uh, how come God didn't kill us while we're in Egypt? And it goes on to say, look, while we were there, uh, we surrounded pots full of meat. And we had all of the bread that we could eat. Never mind the fact that they were slaves. Never mind the fact that they were being abused all the time. But, 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 but given the season that they're in, they're thinking back and they're going like, it was better not to have started this thing. Right? Then they turn to Moses and says, and you, come on, tell somebody, and you. See, that's what happens when stuff starts going away. We find somebody to blame. Come on. And you, you, what, what's up with you? You know, you know, he says, come on, come on. You have brought us out here in this wilderness so that we can all starve to death. Moses, it's your fault. So it reminds us that in the, the wasteland, you know, we, it gets tough. It's sometimes so tough that we stop trusting God. So tough that we turn on the folk that are there to support us. But what God is trying to get us to learn is patience. Discipline of our emotions and our focus. The second thing God is trying to teach us is tenacity. Everybody shout tenacity. tenacity. Comes out of this word perseverance. Perseverance. Tenacity. And, 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 and the real definition for this is, is a trust that won't quit. My, my word for faith in that definition is trust. That despite the difficulty of the season, that you don't stop trusting God. And despite the difficulty of the season, that you don't concede the dream that God has placed in you. That you, you, you don't walk away. You don't quit. I mean, if you, if you quit now, then you, you, you obviously would not have been able to handle the dream once it came. You stay with it. Thirdly, God seeks to give, to give us imagination. Shout imagination. Imagination, imagination. That's the ability to think outside of the box. In the midst of starts and stops and trials and challenges, the word imagination has in it image, the picture, the ability to see beyond my boundaries. And part of what God seeks to do in the midst of our struggling wasteland season is to teach us how to think outside of the box, how to draw outside the lines. And then lastly, humility. Everybody shout humility. All right. And here's what I like to say. In the wasteland, if you're there long enough, Joseph was there for 13 years. If you're there long enough, God 
will squeeze the selfishness out of your dream. It's in the wilderness that God teaches you, in the wasteland that God squeezes you, brings you to a point where ultimately you have to concede, you know what? This is God's dream, not mine. It's on God's time frame, not my time frame. Uh, uh, that, that God is in charge. I'm, it's really not about me anyway. It's about God. So God wants to take 13 years. So be it. But I will be faithful with what God has called me to be faithful. Shall amen? All right. So, based on what I just told you, you should be excited about the wasteland. I don't feel a sense of excitement. <laughs> it is the wasteland that prepares you to become stewards of the dream. And by the way, the bigger the dream, the longer the season of preparation. Now, can I share with you my big dream? Sure. All right, I didn't hear. Are y'all interested in hearing my big dream? <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, before I share with you my big dream, let me share with you how God taught me. I'll share with you the path that God took me down as he taught me to dream. Because God literally taught me to dream. Big dream. I was in the 10th grade in the boys' bathroom. I had just finished losing a fight over a girl that wasn't interested in me. <laughs> and I realized that I was flunking out of school. But was the greater challenge for me was that my grand-aunt, uncle, who had literally adopted me in the latter years of their lives, and now they were in their late 60s and 70s, uh, I, and essentially I was their dream, Right? And I was becoming their nightmare. <laughs> uh, 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 that I was concerned that, you know, I flung out of school, it would have just devastated them. So I remember in the boys' bathroom, I turned to Jesus. I grew up in the church, so I knew scripture and all that. I said, look, Lord, the word says, uh, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I said, I don't need you to move any mountains. What I need you to do is open some doors. I need opportunity. And I want to do three things. I'm in the 10th grade at the time I'm praying this prayer. So all high schoolers listen up, middle schoolers listen up. One, I said, I want to be on the honor student, the honor stage. I want to be on the stage with the honor students when I graduate. Which, by the way, based on where my grade point average was at that moment, was a statistical impossibility. <laughs> While I was talking to God. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> I want to go to college. Can somebody say dreaming? dreaming? Thirdly, I want my grand aunt and uncle to know they haven't wasted their life. I was dreaming, y'all. I was dreaming. This was the, the dream process beginning to happen in me in 10th grade. I, I went out of the bathroom and I ended up in a world history class because I got kicked out of another class. And lo and behold, turns out I've got a knack for history. And by the end of the year, I was in the top five of the students in that class. And in that time in Louisiana, they had these Scholastic rallies 
that the best students would go compete regionally in, in these various subjects, and if they won regionally, they'd go compete on, on the state level. So I went up to Ms. Gafford. I'm, 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 it's, I'm number five. She had to pick the first three. So I went up to Ms. Gafford. I said, Ms. Gafford, I want to be on your scholastic uh, rally team. She says, you know, Herman, you really have done a great job. You know, you, you're in the top five. Said, but, you know, I got to go to the, the first three. I said, all right, Ms. Gaffer, but, you know, I think God wants me to go to the rally. <laughs> she said, well, there's two more ahead of you. And she did just what y'all did, laugh. All right, so I went on. The third person decided to take the invitation to go on another team. That opened up the spot. When I heard about it, I went back to Ms. Gaffer. I said, Ms. Gaffer. I said, can I go to the rally? She said, I'm sorry. She said, there's another person in front of you. I said, but Ms. Gaffer, I think God wants me to go. She, she said, well, if this other person steps down, then I'll believe, I, you know, I, you got, I'm sold. Another few days, she comes back to me. She says, Herman, I guess God wants you to go to the rally. <laughs> the other person stepped down. I go, and the third person on the team, guess what? I went first place in the region. Everybody's shocked, especially me. <laughs> so I go to the state. Don't place in the state, right? I don't place. So I'm on a bus ride coming back. I said, God, this is great. Next year, I want to be first in the state. So next year comes. I enter an essay writing competition. I uh, write about the special needs department and some of the challenges there. It was a national competition. Lo and behold, I won first place in the state. Yeah. So I ended up going to D.C. I'm talking. Can you say dreaming? He's teaching me how to dream, y'all. And so I go to D.C. There's 50 of us. The year that President uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, the attempted assassination. That was the year I went. And, and you know, entered our papers. I didn't place, but, everybody say but, I took a picture by the young lady who won first place. <laughs> See, sometimes you have to frame the dream, y'all, frame the dream, <laughs> frame the dream. All right, check it out. So I'm flying back from D.C., and I talked to God. I said, look, God, I said, this is going pretty good. Two years ago, I was first in the region. Last year, now I'm first in the state. I said, next year is my last year. I want to be first in the nation. Do you see God teaching me how to dream? Do you see that? First in the nation. And I said to God, and I said, really, I don't care what it is you pick. <laughs> Just giving God some flexibility. I don't want to put him in a box. <laughs> All right. Following year, English teacher said, oh, you did great. Told me about it, got me, invited me to enter an essay writing competition. This time it's about the Friends of the Republic of China, Taiwan, and so forth and so on. National competition. I entered, entered the paper. November, you're supposed to know. I was going around the school telling people, I'm going to win first place in the nation. <laughs> they actually thought I was crazy. As is for, November came, nothing. December came, nothing. January came, nothing. February came. Well, well past the deadline. So I remember saying to God in around February, March, I said, well, look, God, I guess I didn't win that, that national deal. I said, but I'm so grateful because by then, talking about the power of a dream, my life had turned right side up. 
my self-esteem had risen. I discovered my academic capacity, and I was performing. And so I said, look, God, I'm talking about Jesus, how he can change your life. He had changed my life. I said, thank you. You've changed my life. Great. One week before graduation, driving the car home. My dad sent me driving the car home. It's what the older folks call smelling yourself, you know. You'd be in the country, you understand what that means. And so I was driving in, and my grandaunt who came to the door as I come to the gate, she said, you got a phone conversation. Phone call, Herman, hurry up. Oh, I was taking my time because by then I had some friend girls, not girlfriends, but friend girls. <laughs> and, you know, I'll get there when I get there, you know. And then she said, it has something to do with China. I said, China? Took off in the house. Hello, the voice on the other side. This Herman Hamilton, yes. Blah, blah, blah. I said, look, you entered a competition. We lost the cover page. So it took us this long to find you. But we're calling to tell you that you won first place in the nation. And I, I started praising God there. My grand aunt, tears was coming down her, te- her, her, her eyes. And then on graduation night, show you how God is awesome. Uh, uh, when, the, when the principal honored the last honor student, she said, would Herman Hamilton come to the stage? And there I was on the stage with the honor students. She read this letter, 700 folk had entered, blah, 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 blah. I had won first place in the nation. All expense paid, trip to the Republic of China, Taiwan, all that kind of stuff. The place exploded in a standing ovation because they had watched the metamorphosis of this little a scarred special education, special need kid that God had just turned his life around. And I looked at my grand aunt, tears coming down her face, and God brought back to my memory. I was on the stage being honored with the honor students. I was on my way to college by way of Taiwan, and my grand aunt and uncle knew they hadn't wasted their lives. That's God teaching me the dream. By then he had me. I started. I'm, 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 I left, went to college, believing God for everything. <laughs> One example. I walked into the Student Government Association. I'm a freshman, wet behind the ears. Walked in, discovered uh, Alvin Washington was SGA president at the time. He came out. I don't know what I was doing in there, but anyway, I was in there. And I was struck. Wow, that's student body president. And he got an office. He even got a secretary. And then I learned he gets an all-expense-paid scholarship and his own room. Can somebody say, dream it? <laughs> I said, God! <laughs> I really would love to be a student government president. Then I remembered I was scarred. Then I remember I was from a country town called Cushala that nobody could spell. And I remember I was just one among 5,000. But four years later, by 70 votes, I became student body president. I'll never forget it. I had a conversation with the president of the university. He said, Herman, every year they elect one student, a student body president, to represent all of the students in the state of Louisiana on the board of trustees. 
Grambling, 80-some year history. We've never been able to hold that seat. So why don't you go down and, and use your negotiate and work and try to set it up so that your, your successor can get on the seat. I said, yes, sir. Can, my, can somebody say dreaming? <laughs> I went back to my office. You've got to be able to guess what happened. I went back to the office, never had sat behind the seat. I got on my knees. I said, Jesus, I said, I just need to ask you for one more thing. I said, for, for your glory, not mine. I said, I want to go down there and win that seat. I said, if I do, I'll let everybody know you did it. Amen. And then got up and went down there only to discover that God had already prearranged. And before I knew it, they were asking me, would you allow us to put your name in? And the next thing I knew, I was elected. And so I called my president back. I said, Dr. Johnson, you never guess what happened. He said, what? I'm the new trustee. He was shocked. I said, and guess what? God did it. God did it. God taught me to dream. Now, here is the insight. Here's the insight. I used to tell these stories, and I would, I, here's how I would tell it. I had a dream that I conjured up. I decided to believe God for it, so I exercised the faith, and I exercised the effort, and God made it come true. But a few years ago, God stopped me. He said, uh, that's not what happened. You all remember the passage, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper. You could substitute the word plans with dreams. I know the dreams I have for you. To prosper you, to give you an end with respect. You, you, you know that. Well, God said, listen, no, son, that's not what happened. What happened is I dropped the dream in you. Then I gave you the courage to pursue it. Y'all ain't listening. And then I sat back and waited to see what you would do with it. And, and, and when you pursued it, come on now, I, I, I answered the prayer, but I answered the prayer that I had already decided that I was ready to answer before you even know you needed to pray the prayer because it was my dream in the first place. Right. And so what he told me is that I've been giving you God-sized dreams all along. So I went to Rock's Prayers with that vision. That's how a small congregation of 125 folk, never forget, I standing behind the podium when I said to these people, couldn't raise a $100,000 budget. And I said, I believe God is calling us to believe him for $1.3 million to renovate this building. And my knees were saying, I told you sometimes God-sized dreams were just just, 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 just embarrass you, just kind of mess you up, right? My knees was like that behind the podium. And I could see these little boxes in people's mind, you know, cartoon boxes. Mm-hmm, I knew he was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew there was something wrong with him. Come on. <laughs> but three years later, 
actually, it turned out to be $3.3 million. God raised up folk from all over the city across all these racial lines and political lines and, and renovated that building. Come on now. And when we went back in, it was such a big miracle that the Globe wrote about it and the Boston Herald wrote about it. That's the God we serve. And if he can do that for me, he's waiting to do it for you. And then we gathered some folk together and asked the superintendent to dream with us. Adopted a school that was about to close. She said, I'll dream with you, but you got to convince the state to come up with $50 million to build a, a new building. And the city council to sign on. And all that happened. And so I left there with a school in place prepared to, to come up. God was teaching me to dream. All right, so that's how God taught me how to dream. Now, let me tell you what my big dream is. So when I got, oh, came here take, to, to, as teaching pastor of a large church, a couple thousand people were there. A woman came up to me and she said, God said to tell you, be, a, be smaller than you've ever been before. Dream bigger than you've ever dreamt before. And it immediately resonated with me. I, I knew this word from God. I got to be smaller than you've ever been before. That was about decrease so God can increase. I got that. But dream bigger. I just told y'all my history, right? But now I'm, I'm, I'm teaching pastor of 2,000 folk. That's like bigger than, I'm, I'm like, I'm at the top. Like, what do you dream from here? Because whenever you don't know what the dream is, you need to go to God, the dream giver, and ask. So I went to God. I said, well, well God, what kind of dream? I don't know where to start. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to dream. And then he dropped a figure in my heart. Oh, it was an audacious figure. It, it was a figure that, that, that was embarrassing to tell anybody. So I didn't tell nobody. Tell anybody because I make you look. I stick it right in. Y'all want to know what the figure was? Yeah. 30,000 believers brought together in a community for witness for Jesus. I couldn't tell that to anybody because, number one, I mean, it makes you sound self and, you know, arrogant and self centered and numbers oriented. Actually, it just makes you sound crazy. So I just kept it. I, I didn't even tell Rhonda. Rhonda didn't even know, which is an exception to the rule. I would tell her all my crazy dreams. But I didn't tell her that one. Because it was just so far out there. So I kept it to myself. Well, time went on, and I finished that assignment. We launched New Beginnings, and I started to pray again. Okay, God, okay, God. This new ministry, what's your dream? What's your dream? What's your dream? Drop that in my heart again. I said, God, I'm not telling nobody that. I'm not even sure this is you. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. I'm just going to keep that. Yeah, we're going to keep that right here. Well, my, my, my son fell in love with a young woman, and we wanted to go check her out. So it was like the, 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 my, my, my Greek, was a, was a big fat Greek wedding. You know that movie? We took the whole family. Mother-in-law, daughter, all of us went to Boston. <laughs> and we all went 
And uh, uh, Rhonda met with, had lunch with one of her friends who's just a power spiritual house known for her prayers. And so, so Rhonda came home and told me later that night, she said, Irvin, you never guess what happened. I said, why? She said, I was having lunch with Sylvia, that's her friend's name. And she said, we were just having lunch. And she said, and in the middle of it, Sylvia just started praying. And uh, Sylvia was, is known for that, so that, that's not unusual. And then she said, she gave me this word. She stopped. She said, uh, Sister Rhonda, I just want to tell you that the ministry that God is raising up, it's, it's a mega ministry. God says it's going to be 30,000 people. And, and, and she didn't have a multi-campus language, so she never, she said, and I can't explain it. She said, it's one church, but it's a lot of different churches, but it's all one church. That's multi-campus, but she didn't have the language for it. And so when Rhonda came back, and she was telling me, she was just, you know, she was nonchalant telling me. And she said, you know, and she said, and she's going to be 30 years old. I said, oh, my God. I said, baby. I said, I said, well, just say that again. By the way, if God gives you a big dream, it's always good to ask for confirmation. Beyond you. So she said, wow. And I was blown away. Our staff had already started talking about multi-staff. I came back, told my, told my staff, told the elders, all that. Now, but y'all know it's not really about the numbers. Is it? That the number simply represents the dream that's in God's heart for the magnitude and the impact that he's trying to raise up new beginnings to have across this area. That's what he's talking about. I mean, can you imagine? Let's look around, y'all. Here we are, people fighting, uh, arguing over the recent election. And here we are. Just look at yourselves. You're, nobody fighting. You're Republican, you're Democrat, you're left, you're right, you're black, you're white, you're Asian, you're Latino, you're Pacific Islander, you're rich, you're poor, you're East Palo Alto, you're Palo Alto, come on now. And you're all sitting in the same place, come on, working in the same small group. What God is saying is that I'm going to multiply this experience. Y'all ain't listening. And I'm going to make it so big that the, that the world cannot miss it. And I'm going to show the world what it looks like when you give your heart to Jesus, how I can do what people cannot do. That's the vision, y'all. That's the big dream. Right? Come on, Republicans, now all of that just... Just, 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 just a, a church that is so grace-filled that anybody can come and be loved from the, from the parking lot all the way. Doesn't matter who you are, you know, straight, gay, right, left, that you can come and, 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 and know that you're loved completely. That's grace. Shout grace. But also a church where the biblical truth will be preached that will keep challenging you to move towards your better selves, right? To move towards what God is calling you. And, you know, my wife, I think my wife told me the other day, she said she talked to somebody who told her, they said, you know, when your husband preached that message after the election? Yeah. I said, well, I got 
Republican and Democrat friends, the person was saying, said, I talked to my Republican friends who were there, and they said he, 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 he was Democratic. Yeah, he, he, he leaned towards the Democrats. And then she said, I talked to my Democratic friends, and they said he leaned towards the Republicans. <laughs> and I said to my wife, praise God. Because that means we got it just right. Come on now. Because while, while I want everybody to always know that you love, I dare not want this to be a place where you're never challenged. I, 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 I want to raise the, 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 the trumpet all the time. And my team will raise it. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in this world that transcends? What does it mean to love when other folk hate you? What does it mean to forgive? Come on. When you've been wounded and talked about. What does it mean to lift up a bloodstained banner? And that can change you and your family and your community. We want to challenge you with the word of God. That's my big dream. And you know what else I dream of since I'm talking? I dream of a church of tens of thousands that is known for its extravagant generosity. Generosity. That's Blows people's minds. That, 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 that. A generosity. You know, like a few months ago, we gave $60,000 to five non-profit organizations. Oh, that's nothing. Tell your neighbor, that's nothing. Tell them, that's just dropping the bucket. We're just getting started, y'all. We're just getting started. I, I, want, I, want the, I want the Bay Area shook up by the extravagant generosity of a church. That, 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 that feeds the hungry, that clothes the naked, that, that, that cares for folk who are in prison and cares for folk once they get out of prison. Come on. A, a, a church that comes around single parents and gives them the capacity to dream again. A church that raises up by the hundreds, y'all. A, a man who when we adopt a school over here and over there where those families where there are no fathers in these kids' lives, we can train and equip men. Come on now, to become what, what these young people need. I'm telling you about my big dream. With people from Sacramento, maybe even to the White House, say, who those folk? Who those folk? And the answer be, Jesus follows. Well, I just have to believe, if you listen to my video, you're with us, that I just have to believe that God has called you to be a part of this big dream. I just have to believe that, you know, he's called you to pray. He's called you to leave the pew and start surfing. He's called you to start reaching out to your friends without respect to, for who they are and invite them into this place of contagious love. I, I, I just believe he's called you to, 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 to leave your pew and start investing in the kids in our CYM program. And that even though we're in inadequate rooms, that what we do in the room can be transformative. I, 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 I just, I'm, just, I'm just believing that, that, that God has brought you here to be a part. Shout wasteland. 
Oh, I have to tell you about the wasteland because I think we're in the wasteland, y'all. By the way, I didn't tell you. I told you about 3.3 million rocks per breath. But I didn't tell you about the year that we set dead in the water. He'd raised 1.34 and we set dead in the water for a year. That was our wasteland as he just worked and worked. And then when he got us where he wanted us, he raised another, just like that overnight, another $1.4 million. And boom. I, I, I didn't tell you. I told you about the, uh, the, the school with the $50 million. But what I didn't tell you is that after I left Boston, it set dead in the water. For two and a half years, my successor called me. She said, I, you know, they're trying to renege at the state level. They're, they're reneging all over the place. The community is fighting against it. I told you about the opposition, all that, right? And she said, you know, you know I've stepped in the past. I, I, I don't want to see your legacy go down. The I said, wait a minute. It is not my legacy. It's God's dream. Y'all ain't listening. Come on now. And, and, and if it's really his dream... He'll do the heavy lifting. Come on now. And if it's not his dream, then it won't happen. You just be faithful. Don't worry about me. You just let God handle you. And then a year later, she called me. She said, look, we're breaking ground, Pastor. And, and, and the 50 million is now 75 million. Come on now. And right now, as I preach to you, they're building that building right now. That's the God that wants to speak into your lives. Your lives. But there was a wasteland. Oh, we in our wasteland. South wasteland. I'm finished. So we, South wasteland. Oh, let me tell you. We in our wasteland. Listen, about a year ago, I told y'all about Balco. We need a build. I'm praying. God, you know, give me a bill. <laughs> I know some of y'all sitting here thinking like me. I'm thinking like, you're talking about 30,000 folks. But you can't even get out of the building. <laughs> What's up? I mean, I'm feeling you, right? Because, you know, we're Balco. God opened up the door. One day led to the next and the next. Then all of a sudden, stop. Dead in the water. Then we have a neighboring church that said, look, we're thinking about joining you guys. We're going to take our property and turn it over. We're going to have a facility and all that. We've been meeting and so forth and so on. But stopped about a week ago. Dead in the water. This week, I'm on the phone. I mean, get a phone call from the pastor of this church. I need to see you. Now, that's not good. Wouldn't tell me what it was. Didn't send me an email. I need to see you. I told my team. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> I went over to the He said, I just want to tell you. Because some of y'all know at 10, at 10 a.m., there's the parking lot here, and then there's another parking lot in the back. There's a bridge. Any of y'all had to try to get over that? The bridge. And he told me, he said, we're going to have to shut down the bridge because it's a safety hazard. I said, okay, we kind of agree with that. Uh, when can we get it repaired, reopened? You know, I'm not really sure. Maybe, you know, six months, a year, longer. What? <laughs> we park 100 cars at 10 o'clock on the other side. What are we going to do with those 100 cars? Several hundred people, where are they going to park, y'all? Some of y'all, y'all just came to 12 because it was raining at 10, but you know, you're going to come back. I don't think about this. Can you say wasteland? wasteland. I don't think, oh my God, what's going on? And, and I was reminded. God is just doing his thing. He working on us, y'all. He, he, he waiting until some of y'all leave the pew and start serving. He's working on us. 
He waiting till some of y'all get, get motivated to start praying. He, he working on us. He, he, he waiting till I can start preaching 30 minute messages. Come on now. <laughs> he working on us. He working on us. He, he working on us. And, 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 and I can't control it. Come on now. I, I, I can't do anything about it. But I know as sure as I know my name is Herman Hamilton. That when the day come and God get ready to move. Nobody can stop the breakthrough coming y'all. Hallelujah. And so is it for your life. It doesn't matter how many enemies against you. Doesn't matter how poor you are. Doesn't matter how limited your resources are. If you would dare believe a God who stepped out on nothing and gave birth to creation, he'll blow your mind. Shout hallelujah. All right, I'm finished. I'm finished. Say thank you, Jesus. All right, come on, give God a hand, praise. I'm finished. Thank you. I'm finished. I'm finished. Come on, praise team. Get your cards out. Get your cards out. There's always a next step. For some of you, God is simply waiting for you to accept his son, Jesus. You saw that young man do it. At 10 a.m., we had two young women. You ought to check that next step. Some of you, he said, look, you guys just been shucking and jiving. You believe, but you just, you don't want to give me authority over your life. He's waiting on you today to take a step to give him authority of your life. And for you, that means being baptized. And so I just want to talk to somebody right here. God's been worried. This is not news to you. As I, as I talk, something is happening, already started to happen in your heart. You were sitting there wishing, I wish I could get baptized today. Today is your blessed day. We got clothes for you, towels for you, don't worry about nothing. We got stuff we put over your hair, I know you need to take care of that. <laughs> but when we stand and start to sing and after you fill out your car, don't wait for nothing. I just want you to leave and come over here, Pastor Tilden is standing right here. I just want you to leave, just tell your friend. If you don't want to walk by yourself, just say, come walk with me. I want to be, today, I want to be baptized. I want God to have total authority over my life, and I want to give public witness to it. <laughs> just a moment, when we stand, that's when you can start walking. Come right on in, he's waiting. Greet you with an embrace. And then under the response to the message, here's my prayer. You know, I, I, I hope that you will leave here writing this. God, make me and release me. Make me comes from that Psalms text. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. It symbolizes, it's your making a decision and you're saying, God, I have decided today that take as long as you need. Keep me in the wasteland as long as you need to in order to prepare me. And when you say I'm ready, release me. Make that your commitment. Let's make it our commitment. God bless you.